once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. We are pleased to bring you the message from this week's worship service. For more information about this message, this week's teacher, and to watch or see other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have each Sunday to gather together in your house with your people to worship you and to open your word, the Bible, that we believe and are convinced is from you, holy and inerrant. And God, would you take this this scripture that we're reading today, would you press it deep into our hearts? Would you use me simply as your vessel to speak your truth? And in doing so, Father, would you shape our hearts and open our eyes to see the great beauty of Jesus and our need for him. Would you do it all for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We use two words every day. Every day throughout the day, there are two little bitty small words that we use so often, we don't even stop and think about the significance of what those two words mean. The weight of which those two words carry. It's not go dogs. It's not war eagle. It's not roll tide, go tigers, go jackets, whatever. It's not even I'm sorry, which are certainly weighty words that hopefully we use often as we realize I don't, I don't get things right all the time. I need to apologize. But the two words that we use all the time throughout the day are two words that what follow those two words are always significant. Always, because what follows these two words always tell us something about ourselves to the world around us, what we feel, what we want, who we are. Those little two words are the words, I am. Say them all the time. Could be something as simple and seemingly insignificant of just declaring to those around you, I am hungry. I am hot. We've said that one a lot in summertime. I'm cold. I'm tall. Whatever it may be, just a simple description of who you are. Maybe it's a little deeper than that. Maybe it's, a, uh, it's more of a declaration of what's going on inside of you. I am frustrated. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm happy. Maybe it's a declaration about an occupation that you have or some, something that you carry out, some duty that you have. So I'm a pastor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I'm a... I'm a father, I'm a husband. We say these words often without thinking about the significance of the first two words, those two little I am. We think the significance is what follows those two, but without those two words I am, then what follows doesn't carry as much weight. But kids, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how you like to pretend to be something different. You love to dress up, right? Not just Halloween. But all, all the time, I know in my house, when my kids were younger, this was, this was a daily occurrence, kids dressing up as something. I was with a friend just this past week at his house, his six-year-old boy was running around in a bubble suit declaring, I am bubble man. <laughs> That's who he was, right? So maybe you're doing a video game and it looks a little something like this and you're trying to figure out which character you want to be. So maybe the character that you want to select, maybe you're into superheroes and you want to be Superman. That was my guy growing up. 
That's who I wanted to be. Some of you don't know who this is, but Christopher Reeves hung the moon for me when I was a kid. He was the Superman in the 80s. And so I used to run around the house with my hands out, flying around, declaring to the world, I am Superman. That's who I was. Maybe you're a little girl and Superman is not who you want to be, but Wonder Woman really is who you want to be. And so you pretend to be Wonder Woman, declaring to the world around you, I am Wonder Woman. Maybe you're not into Superman and so Spidey's your guy. Spider-Man, and you love to dress up as Spider-Man, and he is who you're uh, pretending to be. What about this one? Five to six years ago, I know, I know, Frozen's not cool anymore, you get a little older, but five or six years ago, I have three daughters, Elsa was in my house every single day. There was hardly a day that I came home from work that there wasn't at least one of my girls, if not all three, dressed up as Elsa. I am Elsa. Sometimes Anna, but she was kind of, you know, 1B. Elsa was 1A. But maybe it's not a specific character. Maybe it's just more generic. It's I am a cowboy or I am a softball player, uh, maybe a doctor or a soldier. But we love to dress up as kids and we love to say I am something. Now, as we get older, we become more mature, so we don't dress up, so to speak, but <laughs> we still use the words I am, right? As I said earlier, we love to declare things that are true about us. I am Jeff. That is a weird picture. Um, <laughs> I am wearing a pullover, whatever it may be. I, I am tall. I'm a pastor, those kind of things. Now, for me growing up as a kid, Everything was always, I'm a football player, and I never looked that good in a uniform. <laughs> and I, don't, I, I tried to pick the most generic uniform possible. I picked the Bills, and uh, so, you know, so no one's offended. Uh, but in the Saturday night service, I, I kind of cracked on the Bills a little bit. I said, if you are a Bills fan, I'm sorry. And one dude in the back was like, I'm a Bills fan. So... <laughs> But anyway, it was a football player. I was always running around. I am a football player. And, and listen, uh, some friends of mine, I saw on Facebook yesterday, I said we don't dress up anymore as adults because it's not socially acceptable, but that's not true. Uh, I saw some, a picture of some friends of mine, uh, Ryan and Katie. I don't know if you're in here. I'm sorry I'm calling you out in front of everybody. But they took their family to Incredibles 2, and they dressed up as the Incredibles. And it was awesome. I mean, the full get up. So you can still dress up, parents. That's fine. But here's the point. The point is what follows those two words, I am, is critically significant to telling the world who we are so that they can understand us, what they can understand what's going on inside of us, and maybe what is true of us in our character. Now, there were seven different times that Jesus used the I am preface before he told us something critically important, something even profound about himself. Seven different times he said, I am, and then he gave us this word picture. He gave us this description to say, this is who I am. And it's this visual that he gives us, not just so that we have this pretty picture, but so that it tells us something about what he came to do, his mission, his character, his attributes, who Jesus is. 
seven different times. First one comes to us, they're all in the book of John. First, first one he says is in John 6.35. He says, I am the bread of life. And this is in the context of right after feeding the 5,000. And he fed the 5,000 with loaves of bread and fish. So after feeding all these people and filling their stomachs full, quenching their hunger physically, he comes behind that and he says this statement. He says, look, in the same way that I filled your stomachs, and satisfied your hunger physically, you need to know, look, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of me will never be hungry again. So he's giving us this picture of that he is bread and that he satisfies the hunger of our souls. Then not long after that, he says, I am the light of the world. I want you to think about the fact of what what does light do? It does two things, it illuminates and it draws. If this room were completely dark and there's no light to be had, but yet somebody in the back flips on a flashlight, every single one of us, our eyes would turn to that light because we are drawn towards the light. In a world of darkness and brokenness and evil and pain and suffering, Jesus says, I am the light. Never in the history of all history has darkness overcome the light. Light always wins. And so Jesus is giving us this word picture to say, I am the light. You are drawn to me and I will give you victory over darkness. Then he says, thirdly, he says, I am the gate in John chapter 10. Maybe you've seen in your Bible the door. Says either the, date, the, the gate or the door. First century listeners would have known he's talking about a sheep pen. And there's only one door into the sheep pen. And if you want to be a part of the flock of God, then there's only one way in. It's not Jesus opens the door, it's not Jesus points to the door. He says, I am. There's those two words again. I am the door. If you want to be a part of the flock of God, it is through me. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Then two verses later, he says, I am the good shepherd. Continuing with this analogy, he helps his people, his listeners here. I am the one who shepherds the sheep. I'm the one who takes care of them in every single way. I'm the one who leads them. I'm the one who disciplines them with a rod. I'm the one who cares for them and feeds them and gives them water. I'm the one who grooms them in their wool and picks out all the bugs. I'm the one who does absolutely everything for the sheep. Therefore, I am the good shepherd for God's sheep, the church. Then he says, fifthly, I am the resurrection and the life. This is in the context of the story of one of his very close friends, Lazarus, who has died. And Lazarus' two sisters, Mary and Martha, come to him and say, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And what they don't know is that Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he first declares, look, if you want true resurrection, not just physically, but spiritually and physically, you need to know that I am the resurrection and the life. There is no resurrection apart from Jesus. Again, I don't point to resurrection. I don't show where you can find life. I am the resurrection and the life. The sixth one is the one we're going to focus on for a few minutes here in just a moment where he says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then the seventh one, the seventh profound I am statement of Jesus is I am the true vine. He's telling us, look, In the same way that a branch 
does not have life apart from being attached to the vine, then so for, so for you, for us, Christ is the true vine, we are the branches. We will not bear fruit, we will not have life apart from attachment by faith to Jesus who is the vine. I want to focus on that sixth one, the way, the truth, and the life. And so here's what I'm going to have us do. I want us to stand, I want us to read together John 14, 1 through 7. So would you stand, kids? I want you to stand. I want you to read as well, aloud with your parents, these seven verses, John 14, 1 through 7. Let's read them. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this truth. And may you use these verses to teach us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. All right, kids, did you catch it? I'm going to have you talk back to me respectfully. Not normally, it's not normal that, I, that you're going to be asked, kids, to yell at the pastor in church. But I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, what are the three things that we're told in John 14, 6 about Jesus? So the first one is this. The first one, and parents, you can help them, it's printed in the bulletin. The first one is that Jesus says, I am the way. We got to do it better than that, kids. I want to hear you loud and clear, okay? Jesus says, I am the way, right? Good. Now, Jesus saying, I am the way is huge, significant, very significant, because what he's saying is he's proclaiming something very offensive to a lot of people. He says, I am the way, and then he gives explanation behind it. There is no way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, people, people today don't have an issue with Jesus, and really throughout history, the, the issue is not so much with Jesus as a person. People respect Jesus. He's a great teacher. You hear this all the time. Great guide, prophet, good example. That's not what people have an issue with with Jesus. The, what, what people struggle with Jesus about is the exclusivity of this claim that he is the way, that there is no other way. In a world where we are lost, we are a people who are lost in the darkness and we don't know the way. We don't know where to go and we look and we look and we search and we search and, and we keep thinking and finding we have found the way, but then ultimately we realize it's not giving me what I most long for. 
And so as lost people, Lord willing, God begins to open our eyes to see he is the way. It's a deeply troubling thing to be lost. I can remember back to when I was a kid and we would roam around the woods in my neighborhood and I was with a few guys one day, we're playing in the woods we always played in, but this particular time we went deeper than we normally would go into the woods. And by the time we decided that it was time to come out, we lost the way. We didn't know where we were, we couldn't figure out the way we came in and so we talked and we decided this was the way we came in and we went that way but it wasn't the right way. The further we went in that direction, we said, this is not it. This is not the way. So then we turned and we went in another direction. And we realized that's not the way either. And we began, uh, began to get incredibly distressed and troubled. Because we didn't know the way. No cell phones, couldn't call mom and dad. Eventually, after several hours, we came out. We found the way. But it, it was incredibly troubling. Listen to the first verse of what we read. Jesus says to the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. These guys were troubled because they don't feel like they know the way. And not only that, I think they're just deeply confused. If you were to read John chapter 13, you're going to see that this is the dialogue in which where Jesus reveals to them that there's going to be one of you who's going to betray me. And he identifies that person as Judas Iscariot. Now that would be unsettling. That would be troubling. Okay, wait, hold on. I thought we were all on the same page here. And this guy's going to betray you? This is, this is troubling. Then at the very end of John chapter 13, you've got the, the vocal leader of the disciples of the 12, Peter himself, who is being vocal like he always was. And Jesus is saying things like, I've got to go somewhere that you can't go. You can't go where I'm going, those kind of things. And Peter says, I'll go with you wherever you go and I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, oh, really? Hmm. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And so the disciples have just heard, oh my goodness, there's going to be one that betrays Jesus. And now our leader, our vocal leader here among the 12 is going to deny him. What? what? This is deeply unsettling. They don't know the way. They don't understand what's happening. They're probably deeply troubled by, the, by Jesus saying, look, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be crucified. And then I'll raise on the third day. But all they're hearing is the Messiah, the, the one that we waited on for so long is going to die. That can't be right. These men are lost, and they don't know the way. And that describes so many of us. We spent the better part of our lifetime searching and searching and searching, and we think we found the way over and over and over again, and then we realize we, it's not gotten me anywhere. And Jesus jumps into our confusion. He jumps into our troubled hearts, and he says, I am the way. You know where to go. That's what this ultimately points us, this declaration that Jesus is the way is it settles our souls, our troubled hearts to where, okay, now I know where to go. And it's to Jesus. It's important to remember that Jesus doesn't just point the way, he is the way. All right, kids, secondly, what does he say? He says, I am the way, but then he says, I am the yes. truth. Let's do it again, louder. I am the yes. He says, I am the way and I am the truth. So not only do we know where to go now, but now because Jesus is the truth, we know who we can trust. In a world where we have, adults, you know this to be true, we have been battered, we have been chewed up and spit out, we have been hurt by many, many people. 
We don't know who to trust. And into that reality, Jesus inserts himself and he says, with all tenderness and grace, but with great authority, I'm the truth. You can trust me. Now, this question, this, this statement begs the question, is there objective truth? I don't have time, near enough time to get into that today, but please know, we love to ask questions like that in this church. We love to ask, is there objective truth? We have classes and offerings that you are available to you to delve into some of those deeper theological and philosophical questions, and we want you to go there with us. But what we would say is one of the bedrocks of the Christian faith is to say, yes, there is objective truth. Yes, there is absolute truth. And it's found in the word of God centered on the person of Jesus who says and shows over and over again that he is the truth. And when we begin to see that, when that begins to come to fruition in our hearts and our minds, and we begin to see that truth is not something that is is established relative to my experience or within me, but is actually established objectively outside of me in the person of Jesus, it changes everything. And we know who we can trust. Jesus doesn't just espouse truth. He is truth. Okay, kids, the third one. He says, I am the way, I am the truth. And what's the third one? I am the life. One more time. I am the life. life. This one points us towards, I know where I can rest. We spend so much of our time trying to figure out what's the meaning of life? What's my purpose here? All these tie together, all these deep questions. I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to trust. I don't know the meaning and purpose of life. It's into those questions that Jesus presents himself as, I am the life. I was teaching this passage recently to a group of kids just last month down in Florida, uh, high school students, and I knew it would be about this point in the sermon that I would begin to lose some of them. And so I said, guys, look, if you've tuned me out until now, if you haven't heard a word that I've said, and if you're not going to hear anything else I say, let me grab your attention for just a few seconds. Let me see every eye on me in the room because there's three words that I want you to hear. And so I can't do that here because I can't see all your eyes. But to them, I said, track with me right here. Let me see your eyes. I want you to hear three words. If you take nothing else from this sermon, take these three words and aim and fight to believe them because they're true. Jesus is life. We will search and search and grasp and claw at all kinds of things. The inclination of the human heart is to look and search for anything and everything that we will convince ourselves gives us life and we will be disappointed time and time and time again. Not just the bad things that, are, that we know won't ultimately end in life, but even the good things like parenting and all these things that we think, if I can just be excellent at that, I will find life. And then we get to the end of that road and we say there is fulfillment to be had there, but there's ultimately not life. And after being disappointed time and time and time again, whether it be a successful job or whatever it may be, we begin to have our eyes opened by the grace of God to this one simple truth. Jesus doesn't just point to life. He doesn't just encourage life. He is life. Life is only found in him. 
Not just life abundantly in this earth, but life eternally in heaven. Jesus is life. But I want to point out something as we wrap up here. The question that was asked Jesus was zooming in. It was focused on one of those three things, the way, the truth, and the life. And it came from the disciple Thomas in verse 5. Jesus has said a few things here in this text that I wish I had time to teach because it's so significant. But he's, he's given some great promises to his disciples. He said, look, you can't go where I'm going right now, but you will one day. He gives this great promise, I will come. And when I come, I will take you with me to where I am. And, he, and then Thomas says this. Jesus says, and, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says, no, we don't. This is Thomas. This is quiet, meek Thomas. We don't hear much from Thomas. The only other thing really that we see about Thomas in the scriptures is that he's the one who doubted when Jesus resurrected from the grave and he came back into the upper room and he presented himself to the disciples and everybody was like, oh my goodness, it's Jesus. And Thomas was like, oh, that ain't him. That's a ghost. Jesus says, come here. Put your hand here. You see that? That's real. Put it in my side. So it's this guy, Thomas, who usually doesn't say much, who speaks up. And I think he speaks up because he felt like he had to. This is my opinion. I think Peter's still in the corner wondering, how am I going to deny Jesus? And he's not talking like he normally is. And Thomas says, no, 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 Jesus, uh, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus says to that, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I think he's ultimately answering, I'm the way. And the reason I'm the way is because I'm the truth and the life. Jesus said, I am, uh, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall, shall set you free. And then he says in this verse, I am the truth. You put those two together, make a nice little formula out of it and you realize I, you shall know the truth, the truth will set, shall, shall set you free. I am the truth. Jesus sets us free. But he says, I am the way close with this story. I think one of the ways to illustrate why what Jesus does is the way is this. I read a story a couple, um, probably four, five, six months ago. I don't know how I came across it, but it was a story of a young woman, 22 years old, who had been on the East Coast and went out to visit a friend in Arizona. They had both recently graduated from college. The other girl was living in Arizona, uh, begun her new job and so she went out to live with her for a couple of weeks and the other girl had gone to work one morning and so this girl from the east coast was was like I'm going to take a walk I'm going to take a hike and I want to go out into these desert hills that are around the apartment so so one beautiful morning she takes a walk and she walks back and through all these trails into these desert hills and she goes so deep into that much like me in the woods with my buddies she gets turned around she doesn't know the way out at one point, she realizes, I've got to get somewhere on high ground and see if I can see the landscape around me to figure out if I can figure out the way. So she climbs up on this rock face about 40 feet high, and she surveys the land around her, and she thinks, okay, I think I need to go that way. And as she takes a step back to begin to go down the rock face so that she can get on her way, she stumbles, she falls, and she tumbles 40 feet down the rock face. She lands at the bottom. She's broken and bruised. She's got broken legs and ankles and arm, and her phone has been shattered in the process. And she's laying there completely helpless, incapable. 
She can't walk. She can't move. She can't call anybody. The only thing she can do is weep and cry out for rescue. And so she does that for hours. She feels hopeless. Will anyone rescue me? After several hours, a man shows up. She has no idea where he came from or how he even hurt her. But he comes beside her. And let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't walk up to this young girl and he didn't say, I see the condition that you're in. I see that you're helpless, that you're incapable, that you're bruised and broken in great pain and crying for help. But I'll tell you what, I know the way. If you can just muster up enough strength, follow me and I'll show you the way. He doesn't do that. He comes to her and seeing the condition that she's in, crying for rescue, he scoops her up in his arms and he carries her two miles out. Now for a lot of us, we have presumed that Christianity is the first scenario. That we are bruised and broken, we're in great pain and we've come to the end of our rope and so we're crying out, we're crying out, we're crying out and God shows up and says this awful thing that the world says all the time, God helps those who help themselves. If you will just muster up enough strength, I know the way, just come, follow me, I'll be your good guide and example. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I see the condition that you're in. I see how broken and incapable and helpless you are because of your sin. I see how hopeless you are that you don't think there's anything or anyone that can rescue you. And there's good news, I am the way. I don't just show up to you and say, follow me. I scoop you up in my arms and I say, the way you're going to follow me is that I am the way and I will take you to life. Because I am the life and I am the truth and I am the way. All you got to do, cry out to me and I always come. Will you cry out to him this morning? He is the rescuer who will give life. He is the way. Let's trust him. Father, thank you for this wonderful truth, this simple truth, but yet profound, this word picture that you've given us about you, Jesus, that you are the way. You don't just point the way, you are the way. You don't just speak truth, you are the truth. You don't just... Give life, you are life. Everything we long for is found in you, Christ. And so we pray this morning that you would awaken us, give us fresh eyes of faith to trust you, Jesus, to cry out for rescue. We pray that you would scoop us up in your arms and you would carry us, deliver us from ourselves, from our pain that we may know you and know you intimately. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing together. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.